Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, so we're back with episode four, slightly late this week. Um, We'd normally put the episode out on a Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, but this week we are recording at one o'clock on a Thursday, so should be out today, hopefully. Um, And the reason for delay is that we've been in Dublin for a couple of days this week, um, working on the setup of our ETF funds, um, which links us nicely to the topic of this episode, which is going to be around ETFs. And we'll come on to that shortly. Um, Before that, Tom, the great news from the last couple of weeks was that we were flying high 196 or 197 yeah in the in the in the business charts which yep. you know that means that you know we're we're probably weeks away from being in the top 10 a week or two away from being flying high in the top 10 with Stephen Bartlett and others Stephen Bartlett um, watch out we're coming for him <laughs> but the only way we've got any chance really of that is not only you know some sort of quantum leap in our listener numbers but also if the listeners that we have now sort of continue to listen and also um you know like the the podcast share the podcast subscribe different things on different platforms as we know but uh yeah we'd love your support it really helps us and um it really encourages tom to keep turning up albeit late to record the podcast each week (laughs) Uh, and yeah leave us a review if it's a good review as well that will help Uh, and if a bad review do not leave us it don't leave us it but you can as as always email Matt directly and on email you could email us at podcast at circa5000.com and actually the idea for this episode was not only inspired by our our trip to Dublin this week but it was also inspired by um, a couple of questions that we'd got in around talking about ETFs and their use within an impact investor's portfolio and the, and the the pros and cons and advantages, disadvantages, those type of things. And we've got a couple of things that we want to cover on that, but I think before we jump in, probably worth us doing a little recap on the investment principles. Yep. Shall I do that, Tom, or do you want to do? You go for it. Go for it. Okay. okay, so I mean, up to now, we've we, we, the first three episodes, we've, we've talked largely around the, the four um, principles that we that we think are the most important things to think about when investing. Just a reminder, they are number one, think long term. Number two, diversify. Number three, invest regularly. And number four, impact. And one of the things that we've spoken about as a, a sort of a, a good way as a as a as a an investor looking to get diversification, which is spreading your money across multiple things, is to use funds, and in particular, we like to use ETF funds, which is exchange traded funds. Now, we mentioned ETFs a couple of times. Not everybody knows what they are. Not everybody knows why they're a good thing to use. So I think. That's where we're going to start this week, and we're going to talk about ETFs in a bit more detail. Try and put some, try and put some explanation around that that technical term, um, and 
and then go from there to discuss why they're good, why they're bad, where they can get better, and what people should look out for, really. Yep. Should I have a, a go at trying to uh, explain Tom, what, what an ETF what, is? What is an ETF? <laughs> an ETF, or exchange-traded fund, is basically a fund that tracks an index. Um, and the easiest way to explain what uh, an index is is um, either a group of securities, normally stocks or, or bonds, or companies or bonds that are grouped together um, based on um, some quite kind of common reason. Um, a really easy example for everyone listening um, in the UK is the FTSE 100 uh, is the the 100 biggest companies in the UK by market capitalization. Uh, so the, the biggest 100 listed companies in the UK. And the, that's the FTSE 100 index. And so you can get an ETF, exchange traded fund, which is a FTSE 100 ETF. And what that ETF does is it tracks that index. So it replicates that index in terms of holdings and returns as closely as possible. Um, and you can get a variety of different kinds of, of ETFs. So you can have them based on geographies. You can have them based on existing uh, indices like the FTSE 100 or the S&P 500 in the US, the 500 biggest companies in the US. Or you can have them based on some kind of theme. So that theme, uh, an example for us, could be that we use a clean energy uh, theme where you're investing in, in companies that form the part of a clean energy index based on the uh, revenue exposure to clean energy, for example. So the most vanilla ordinary types of ETFs track those uh, uh, indices like the FTSE 100 or the S&P 500, but there's a whole world of, of new indices and new ETFs that track various things uh, from themes to sizes of com- uh, companies to companies in certain geographies and sectors. Yeah, so I mean, basically like a basket of yeah. all together and, and, and the way what's decided as to what goes in that basket is governed by a set of rules and it's called an index. Yep. I mean, I, I suppose it's the reason that the reason that the, they're called exchange traded is because you can buy them like an individual stock of a company yep. on an index. So like you might go and buy shares in, I don't know, Coca-Cola, Netflix, Unilever, whatever company it might be that, that is a, a stock you can go and buy, mm-hmm. you buy and sell an ETF in exactly the same way. The difference is when you buy an ETF, you're not buying shares in one company. You're buying, you're bulk buying, you're buying a basket of them. Yeah. Um, and and what is in the basket is determined by the rules. So yep. the way that the reason that we we like them as a as a way to implement the other principles, if you like, is is that is that um you know ETFs a that diversification is an obvious one. So you know yep. you're not buying one stock when you buy an ETF. You might be buying 50, 80, 100, maybe more. Um, and they're really easy to, to hold long term. You know, you can you can buy them in a in a in most brokerage accounts, you know, obviously apps like ours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's no there's no management to do in that. So if you know, versus where you have if you tried to buy a hundred stocks yourself and hold them in particular proportion or decide when to buy and when to sell different ones, then the the buying is the first step. Then you've got to think about what, you know, what do you do after that? How do you manage these, these holdings? What, what, what do you sell? What do you buy? What do you, you know, how do you weight them, et cetera, et cetera. And that's an ETF has that built in. It, yeah. it, re, it re, rebalances itself over time. Um, and the other thing becomes back to, is uh, investing regularly. You know, most ETFs, 
depending on where you're buying them and selling them, what, what platform you're using, they're very easily to to access with with a with a low amount of money on a regular basis. Yep. If you're saving, you know, 100, 200, 300 pound a month, if you're buying a set of ETFs, you're doing that in a way that, especially if you're buying them what's called fractionally, which means that you that you can buy them in smaller proportions as well, which is what we offer, you can access, you know, hundreds of companies with a relatively small amount of money on a regular basis. So that's why we like them. Yeah. Um, you know, that the take away all the te- terminology, take away all the technical aspect of it. It's they're just sort of quick and easy ways to access baskets of baskets of investments. Um, they also the other thing is they tend to be low cost as well. Yeah. When you compare them to uh, investment funds that are actively managed by fund managers who are trying to beat the market, the, 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 they tend to be much lower cost than, than those funds. And so on top of the reasons you said about the, the, the cost structure of them just tends to be very, very efficient for, for the everyday investor. Yeah. And, and even though they have a fee built in, you know, normally, you know, for that that depends on which one you're buying, but um, they have a fee built in. But if you go back to again what I was saying about if you are if you're trying to manage a, a a basket of 100 stocks yourself and 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 all the trading costs involved and all the rest of it, then you know that cost is really not that great in comparison to doing the job yourself. So the value for money, but they're also actually on a on an absolute basis quite quite cheap normally as well. Yep. Um, now. Seems fine. Seems perfect. Um, the the challenge that that the, and some of the question we we've had are on this idea of well, ETFs are passive investments because they're just and by passive it means you just once the basket rules are, de- are determined, once the index rules are determined, the ETF fund itself just passively doesn't make any decision making doesn't have any decision making in there it just passively buys whatever those rules tell it to buy mm-hmm. and sell whatever it, those rules tell it to sell so there's no one there's no human behind the scenes actively picking the investments yeah and there's a challenge that we've had that says well how can you be passive and have a have an impact how can you be an activist or how can you be an active impact investor yep whilst buying passive. And I think for me, this comes down to just how you define the words passive and active and yeah. different uses of those words in the English language. Tom, what what would you say to someone who said can't impact invest through ETS because they're passive? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think it's the the confusion together of a few words that kind of sound similar, but but for 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 this purpose are separate. So all that passive means is you're not trying to beat a market. You're replicating that market. The market defined as the the index that's underlying the the ETF. So back to the FTSE 100 example, it's just you're trying to replicate the returns of the FTSE 100. You're not trying to beat the returns of the FTSE 100 by actively managing the components. Whereas an active manager, uh, a, a hedge fund manager, for example, who is tasked at beating the returns of the FTSE 100, what what they will try and do is pick the best as they see it from an investment perspective um best say 20 of the of the FTSE 100 components and try and return more than the FTSE 100 so that is known as an actively managed strategy so it's really about whether you're trying to beat the market or or replicate the returns of the of the underlying index that's all that passive and active means so it has no bearing really on whether you can have active engagement 
uh, with the underlying companies because if you're a passive uh, manager, for example, you're still the fund manager and you still own the underlying components. So you can still interact with those companies on a voting basis, on a, on a, you know, on a, on a shareholder engagement basis, as you can if you're an active manager. It literally back to the case, it just means you're not trying to beat the market and you're just trying to replicate the market, but because you're still an owner of the shares, you can still, um, you can still interact with those companies. For example, the, the biggest, the biggest asset manager in the world being BlackRock, 10 trillion of assets under management, a huge portion of that is in the passive vehicles, i.e. the iShares ETFs. But BlackRock still obviously interact with the companies that they invest in uh, via those iShares, um, those, those iShares ETFs because they're still a massive shareholder in those businesses through those vehicles. So it has no bearing really on whether you choose to engage with the companies or not. And for us as a business, this is especially true when we have our own ETFs live, which is obviously what Matt mentioned at the beginning we've been working on in Dublin. We will be taking a really active stance with our engagement with the underlying companies that are in those ETFs. And we'll be able to do things like pass on shareholder voting uh, and shareholder interactions to our underlying um, investors in the ETFs, our customers of the, of the platform. And so it really has no bearing on what level of interaction you can have from an engagement perspective, whether you're in a passive vehicle or an active vehicle. It's just up to the fund manager and what they want to do. It's, it's not the actual nature of their investments themselves. Yeah, and I think the other, the other thing when it comes to, to passive is... I think there's an assumption. So the engagement piece is really important. And it's obvious why that's important. If you want to be an impact investor, you want to be able to not only just hold the companies that are most impactful by whatever measure you're measuring them on, mm. you also want to engage with them to make sure that they get even more impactful and, 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 and they don't slip into doing things that perhaps aren't impactful. So you want, yeah. to, you want to know the reason that you're a shareholder in them is to maintain them and hold them to these you know, to these requirements that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other thing with passive is that people think that, well, there's no selection. There's no, there's no, you, the criteria in some way must be weaker mm. so because there's a passive implementation, i.e. you, once you've got the rules, you, you just buy all the companies that meet the requirements of the rule book that you've written. Yeah. Then in some way, there's no, there's no real, impact assessment going on up front Mm. now that's not true because it's it's all in the way that you determine the rules and actually if you speak to active fund managers active impact managers they work very much the same way so they don't just they don't wake up every morning and start analyzing every company in the world from scratch every day to see where they're all up to what they do is they hold what's called a universe so that's like That's another way of saying they have a long list of things that they might buy, and then they they whittle it down to a short list of things that they will that they will actually go and buy. Yeah. And that's the way that 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 process works the same, whether you're an active fund or a passive fund. Because if you're a passive fund, in the creation of the rules that you'll follow, you create a universe, you create the long list, yeah. and then you create some. And you can do that with human interaction. You can do that with a human assessment of individual companies on a one-by-one basis in as much detail as you want to yeah and then you create some passive rules as to which to whittle that long list down to the short list and that could be on the basis of a score you know how impactful they are it could be on the basis of conclude multiple of these factors how big those companies are where those companies are etc etc yeah the only difference between the passive and the active on those senses is that 
the second part on the passive fund, the the implementation, the, the implementation of that rule book is done automatically. It's done passively. Mm. Whereas on the active one, someone sits down and then picks those funds yep. based on some normally, let's face it, normally a, a a philosophy or a set of rules that the active fund manager has anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of these questions and these um question marks over impact in in, in, in ETFs comes from the existing range of what's available in ETFs and how they've been built and how weak they are basically from an impact or ESG perspective, whichever one you want to pick. They've, what they've basically done is take existing index indices that already exist and tilted them in a certain direction for a, for a climate factor or some other factor. And what's been left underneath is just the, more or less the same index, but in different weightings. And it's very, very weak. And it's been labeled as climate or sustainability or whatever, but it really doesn't do anything. And I think what a lot of people don't really truly understand is, as, as you've said just then, is the beginning moment for us is not what existing index exists that we can tilt and then invest in as, a, as an ETF. It's we are building from scratch proprietary uh, proprietary indices that um, that are built in, a, in the exact same way that, that an impact, um, an active impact manager would do, but then we just don't actively manage them, we passively implement them. So we're building an index from scratch. We're building a theme entirely from scratch. And then the implementation choice is via, is via an ETF. Um, and that's the massive world of difference that I think people don't quite realize. They just see ETF and go, oh, it's an existing indices tilted and that's weak. It definitely is weak. And those managers don't tend to engage with those underlying companies, but we're doing it from scratch with a proper engagement policy and the passive implementation ETF implementation is a choice that we've taken because we see it as the most cost-effective and best long-term from a, from an investment perspective. And I think it just goes back to what we were talking about last time, which is that's the difference between if you're setting out to be an ESG fund or you're setting mm-hmm. out to be an impact fund or, or you're setting out to ESG invest or you're setting out to impact invest. Yep. ESG through and through is a tick box, tick box exercise. So it, it's that. The best of times, at the, you know, and then when you're passively implementing it, it's it's again just it's just the easy way, the easy way for for fund providers, investment managers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to to tick the box and say that they've pacified the the people who are demanding more ESG and more environmental focus. Yeah, it's not actually, you know, it's like like a lot of things in life. What's your what's your intent and purpose from the outset, and and. And if your intended purpose is just to tick the box and just, you know, get something that's passable and you can stick a bit badge on it and get it out there, fine. If your intended purpose is to is to actually start from the first principle of what is the most impactful fund I can make, which is which is, you know, this is not meant to turn into a sales pitch for those funds that don't yet exist, but you know, that's that's the way that we approach it. And and we want to tick all the other boxes as well. We want to make sure that people can access it. We want to make sure that it's low cost. We want to make sure that it it does all the jobs of what's great about ETFs versus active active funds, but it has to be as impactful. And I think that's that's the difference. And yeah, um, there's actually been two articles out this week that I've read that have, have sort of talked about the um, really sort of jumping on the jumping on this thing that we've talked about the last two episodes, which is. ESG is not all it's cracked up to be and, and, and the death of ESG. Um, so you know, I think that's a rising sentiment in the industry. Yeah. I think it's a rising sentiment amongst investors. And I think I think it's one that will I'd be very surprised if we don't see that play out where 
where the criticism and the focus on ESG becomes becomes uh, louder and more prominent, basically. Yeah. Well, I think people now are, are looking beneath the labels and the hood and the hoods of these funds a lot more and scrutinizing how they've been built and what goes into them. And I think, you know, to, to your point just now, we've been, the market has forced us in a way to do, to do what we're doing because of the lack of quality of reasonably costed, but deeply impactful funds that are available to the average investor, you know, across, across the world, the best impact funds generally aren't available to retail investors. They're available to a few institutions um, and they're very, very expensive, even if they were available to, to, uh, to retail investors. So what we've, what we've really been focused on and what we've learned is there is no good reason for that. There should be, uh, efficiently costed vehicles that have the most impact, the most the level of impact that the biggest institutions and family offices can have through their investing. Why shouldn't that be available to the average investor? And why shouldn't it cost something similar to the to the average uh, thematic ETFs that are available today? Well, it shouldn't is what we think. And that's why we've been pushed to do what we're doing and, and why we'll release these ETFs. And also, if you go back to what's the very purpose of impact investing, is it's to try and get change on on issues at scale. Yeah. And the best way to get change on issues at scale is to unlock not only size of assets, which you can do if you go and build a product that that's, can be accessed by the richest institutions in the world, yeah. but also by the number of people that have a voice on those issues. Yeah. And if you, if, you, if you open it up to everyday people who are saving in their pensions, in their ISAs, in their, you know, for themselves, for their own future, then those people are actually fully invested in the future. They're fully invested in those issues. And if you give them the votes as shareholders and part owners in the companies as well, then that's where you get real change. Because actually, is it more powerful? You know, where, where do companies really start to react? They react from, from government pressure, sure, shareholder pressure, sure, but consumer pressure and and just volume of voices behind an issue makes people makes companies change and, and often quicker than the other two often yeah. quicker than governments or or shareholders yeah i think that's where you start to combine those two it starts to become really interesting yeah and i think the interesting factor for for etf specifically and and and, and for for our future potential development as a business i know it's not necessarily meant to be about us as a business this podcast but i'll, I'll plug it just for a second which is you know, they, if any worker, uh, uh, in, especially in the UK at the moment, will have a workplace pension that, they're, that, they're, that they currently have. And that in the background, the one that you currently have is likely invested um, with one of the big uh, pension providers in the UK, defined contribution pension providers. And it's invested in a variety of, uh, of ETFs in the background, generic market ETFs that invest in everything and anything. And so and uh, for us, one of the big ways in which we can have an impact as a business is by tackling that market as well and developing these ETFs, which are high impact and efficient in, in cost, opens up the, uh, the potential for us to start powering workplace pensions as well. Um, and that's a, that's a huge pool of assets that we all have as individuals via our employer that is currently not invested in the ways that we want to see the world develop. Um, and so it's a, it's a big part in our mission is opening up this, this, this form of investing to, to, to the average customer, but then giving those, uh, those same people the opportunities to make sure the money throughout wherever they have their money, whether it's their pension or their, in their personal name, is invested in, the, in, in line with their values and beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I'm, I'm slightly fearful that we've gone way too technical, way too quickly on this podcast, but, I think it, we've had a questions on it, so we wanted to try and address them. And some things you just can't 
avoid talking about the technicalities because when it comes to this issue, actually the devil is really in the detail. Yeah. And actually it's the nuance between methodologies of how funds are put together. It's the, it's the interpretation of the words passive and active that sometimes get skewed and confused people. You know, it doesn't, the word passive doesn't necessarily make you feel like you're doing something active, but you can be. Um, so yeah, that's a brief summary. Hopefully, hopefully we've uh, answered the questions that we've had in, but that, you know, the basic message is that it's absolutely possible to properly impact invest through ETFs. Uh, we think that the ETF market can get way better on this and we're actively, actively trying to build passive funds to do this. Um, and, you know, the ETFs are a great vehicle just as an individual if you're trying to do low-cost, diversified, regular, sensible, basic investing for the long term. Like, they're just the the great – the structure of those products is great for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I suppose the, the ESG impact thing always comes back in, which is across everything, something that's ESG – can't be equated with something that's impact and that's where you sometimes get the you know you throw the baby out with the bathwater. you you get your know, well the esg funds are are not great so everything that's trying to do something in this space must be great it's not true and the final thing is that on an activism and stewardship and shareholder voting and shareholder engagement points active and passive funds can work depending on the fund manager and their policies and the way that they think about this, but they have the ability to work in exactly the same way. And both can go a lot further in terms of passing on those voices, that the voice that they hold to the individuals that are the owners ultimately in the funds and the companies. So that's what we've tried to summarize. We'd love to get your feedback on it. We'd love to hear, you know, whether you want, whether you have follow-up questions or you want us to explore things in more detail, um, podcast at circa5000.com is the way to do that. Please like the podcast, share, subscribe, all the rest of it. Um, and hopefully we'll be back on time next week for episode five. A beautiful summary. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.